it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Now you can subscribe to our VIP podcast lineup within the Apple Podcast app using your Apple account. That's new as of March 2022. Just search PW Torch in your Apple Podcast app and you'll see the PW Torch Daily Cast logo show up. That's our free show that's been around forever. And also the PW Torch VIP Podcast logo. There is a free show every week. So subscribe even if you don't plan to go VIP and get a sample of our VIP tier programming. But if you click subscribe, then you'll become a VIP member instantly with a three-day free trial after which your Apple account will be charged. So you don't need to take out your credit card, debit card, or go anywhere else. If you listen to our free shows, On Apple Podcasts, you are five seconds away from being a VIP member with a three-day free trial. So we invite you to check it out. That includes dozens of VIP shows throughout the week, including VIP versions of the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling post shows and podcasts and daily casts. All those episodes are presented to VIP members with ads and plugs removed, along with VIP exclusives like our post-pay-per-view roundtables, the Wade Keller Hotline, The Fix with Todd and Wade, everything with Rich and Wade, and many other VIP exclusive shows just search PW Torch within the Apple Podcasts app. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
Hello again, everyone. This is Patrick Winnihan and Alex McDonald for the 90s Pass Cast. Alex, welcome back. How are you today? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. Happy Thursday to everybody. Actually, I shouldn't say happy Thursday because it's not Thursday when everybody else listens to this. And that's right. It could be any day of the week, which is the beauty of it. Uh, but we are here. We are on a Thursday. If you really want a little peek behind that curtain, we are here to talk about issue 182 of The Torch for the week of July 9th, 1992. Uh, we're doing pretty well here. We're kind of in sync with when these are coming out, maybe a week behind. But nevertheless, I think, you know, pretty spot on otherwise. Um, the basic, you know, here's the cover article. This is something that we're going to talk actually a lot about, um, kind of bookending this episode, but some big title changes happening at the recent WCW Omni show. Um, if you recall, I think we did talk about this. Correct me if I'm wrong, Alex. We did reference the fact that WCW was really hyping up this house show on their their main uh, Saturday night TV show um, recently, which is really interesting and and kind of, I'd say, poor timing, considering there's a huge pay-per-view coming up shortly, which we're going to talk about a lot today. Um, but there's the cover story really dives into the results of that event. We also have a return to the WWF, not on TV, but uh, behind the, uh, I would say, those house shows. Bob Backlund is back. Um, intriguing name to see this early in 92. So we'll talk about that. We know that there is an NWA tag team tournament happening uh, on the clash and then the upcoming great American bash pay-per-view, but there's also an NWA title tournament happening and the participants for that tournament uh, have been named. So we'll talk a little bit more about that. I'm not sure we're going to talk too much about this unless you want to, you want to dive into this, Alex, but we have a, uh, Lawler and Jarrett um, defeating the Moondogs recently for the USW Tag Team titles. Let me pause here because did they, didn't we start our podcast with this feud really? Uh, and, and I think it was considered match of the year candidate, if not the winner, when we first kicked off our podcast, you know, months ago at this point. Yeah, I don't know if it wins any match of the years. I do know for a fact, though, that this ends up it either wins feud of the year for 92 or it's the first runner up. It's one or the other. Yeah, that sounds familiar. Uh, and then lastly, his name's actually back in the news. Just, I think yesterday, Richard Morton returns to Memphis. He challenges uh USWA champion, Eddie Gilbert, um, because we're probably not going to get into that too much either. Did you hear that? Uh, Morton is uh, coming up on the Ric Flair's last match card. Is he going to wrestle Ric Flair in the... No, ironically not. That match is still yet to be named officially as of uh, this recording, but is actually him and his son um, facing... And I think uh, Robert Robert Gibson is in their corner um, against... Brock Anderson, double A, you know, Arn Anderson's son, who's Arn, Arn Anderson will be in the corner as well. And then also Brian Pillman Jr. as his tag team partner. So they're really talking. It's kind of like it, I think they're calling it the legacy match with the Rock and Roll Express against the four horsemen. As the theme, so I'm not sure I'm really that into that, but it's interesting. Is is Richard Morton's son like 50? <laughs> All right, come on. I think he's like 48. <laughs> no, I think I think his name is Kerry. I'm going to look him up. It is. He's definitely not that old, but what? how old is he? Sorry, we're slowing that? this down, but I really need to know this now. 
I cannot find it. Let's see. Well, we'll have to find this one, but uh, I think he's a lot younger than uh, you probably think. Anyway, uh, so that's it. I don't know. I've been I've been meaning to ask you this, and this is not where I was going to go with this, but since we brought it up, what are your, you know, have you seen the card for this Ric Flair pay-per-view, his last match, apparently his last match? And if he, if so, or if not, have are you intrigued by this any more than you were you know, a few weeks ago when we first talked about this. No, it's it's too expensive for for me. Um, From a card perspective, is there any interest? Okay. A, but I mean, we've we've talked about this a little bit on the show in the past, and it's part of the reason I like WWE, and it I I like a reason behind why people are wrestling each other. Yeah. So like independent cards as great as like some of the matches are like that's cool and all, but there's nothing to have me invested in it. And this kind of falls into that category. And also, I'm not fully behind the idea of Ric Flair being in the ring again and it being promoted. And I don't know. They're just that's my biggest problem as well. And I, and I really, actually, really like the card, so I'm kind of intrigued. I mean, I'm kind of sad to admit this, but I might get it, but not for that match at all. Um, but I'm still kind of on the fence. And you will not believe, I, as long as this um, source is accurate, how old Kerry Morton is. How old is he? 20. How is that possible? I don't know. His father is 63, I think I found. So oh, I he, was he was born in yeah, mid-60s, at least. So he was born in, you know, when he was in his mid-40s. Anyway, I did not want to start the show that way, but apparently that's what we're doing. Richard Morton is, is significant, not significantly, but he's older than my dad. And he has a son that's 11 years younger than me. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man well i don't know much about him i know he's kind of you know up and comer obviously but uh you know i don't know where his career will take him but let's take ourselves back to the omni there is uh, a lot going on here um big title changes steve williams and terry gordy captured the wcw tag team titles from rick and scott steiner sunday night july 5th in atlanta georgia at the omni it appeared near the end of the 13-minute match that Scott would win after he applied the Frankensteiner on Gordy. As Scott covered Gordy, Williams began to enter the ring and make the save. Rick then ran into the ring to cut him off. The referee stopped Rick, leaving Williams open to illegally clothesline Scott and place Gordy on top of Scott. The referee turned around and counted Scott's shoulders to the mat. So some of this is actually I get a pretty good portion of it. I'm not sure if you've gotten to this yet, but... I came across the post-show Saturday Night Show that did air a pretty good amount of this match and showed the title change. Um, I don't know if you, you had seen that, but there is footage out there on Peacock that you can you can actually see this. And that, correct me if I'm wrong, but that would be the Saturday night that doubles as the pre-show to the bash, right? I'm fairly certain, which we're going to talk about, or we can talk about it now. But yeah, it's it's just kind of a, an overlap, you can call it. Okay, you so can, no, like a bridge no, no. from one to the other. 
and and Wade will talk about this, and we're going to talk about this a lot. But um, you wouldn't even know the bash is coming up <laughs> at all. It's it's pretty nutty. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Daily Cast listeners, thank you, first of all, for streaming the shows. Be sure you're subscribing. Just search PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to pro wrestling podcasts. But while you're at it, if you're not yet, please subscribe to the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast and Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows. Search Wade Keller and see two logos pop up, a blue one and a red one. The red logo, the post shows, cover Raw and SmackDown each week with a fast turnaround time of a couple hours after the show's end. And also, every Saturday, we present a flashback to our analysis from five years ago that week, covering Raw. Jason Powell from ProWrestling.net joins me, and we analyze what happened on Raw five years ago. So check out that time capsule every weekend. The Blue Logo Show features the Thursday flagship, plus our first-run interviews, our classic interviews, and our mailbag segments. So again, search Wade Keller and click subscribe to both the Red Logo and the Blue Logo. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Jumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Jumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, the thing that's interesting here, or maybe one of the things, this marks the first major tag titles Gordon Williams have held as a team. Um, I didn't look this up I, when I when I read this. I really thought that they had already kind of accomplished this somewhere, and probably more so in Japan than anywhere. So the fact that this was their first major tag title is interesting. Um, they also have a chance to follow that up, as noted, in the NWA tag ty- uh, tag tournament. Uh, one week later, which is going to be at the Great American Bash. So they could be uh, stacking these titles on, on top of one another. The other thing that was interesting at this event, um, and Wade calls it a more surprising title change, is Brad Armstrong actually pinning Scotty Flamingo. He uh, captured the WCW light heavyweight title. Yes, that's still a, a thing at this point. Um, Flamingo only had it for just about a month when he f- defeated Brian Pillman. Um, so the thing that, uh, another kind of first major title win here for Armstrong, uh, he previously held the NWA national title, which has since been unified with the U S title. So there's kind of lineage there. So, uh, I guess according to Wade, that wasn't really considered a major title quote unquote. So light heavyweight status, um, uh, kind of supersedes that in this case. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're, we're kind of seeing the rise of, you know, obviously, Gordian Williams really coming on the scene out of not out of nowhere. We we've known, you know, really following them in the torch issues for a number of months before they ever debuted, uh, but really coming on strong once they debut. But the Brad Armstrong thing is interesting. Do you think this is more a push for the um, the title or kind of a deep push of the title by putting on something, uh, you know, someone like Brad Armstrong? Because Wade actually does note that until now, Armstrong's really been kind of seen as a jobber. So how do you think Watts is viewing this? Oh, that's that's tough to answer. Um, that's tough to answer because of what we know. Um, it could have been that that Watts wasn't a fan of Scotty Flamingo and wanted to get the title off of him. And Armstrong, for his his faults that we will find out, you know, relatively soon was a try hard show up to work on time kind of guy. So it's possible Watts was trying to promote and reward that type of behavior and giving him a a title that Watts doesn't really think means anything as a way of doing that. Um, What's funny is I don't know if you, if you saw this in the notes, but there was like boring chance during the match, which makes a lot of sense because Armstrong against Scotty Flamingo Raven, whatever, clearly is a hell of a lot different than Brian Pillman or Jushin Thunder Liger. Oh, totally. Even Johnny B. Bad, you know what I mean? Like the other guys that have been in that division. Yeah, I mean, on screen, he he lacked charisma heavily. Um, Off screen, you know, I think we even mentioned this last week with Mick Foley's recent podcast mentioning him how um, Armstrong was really a uh, pretty charismatic, funny guy. Uh, but just never really exuded that um, in front of the cameras. We don't and do this off. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, just to back up for one second. Yeah, please. On the national title, um, 
The national title was actually created in 1980 for the original Georgia Championship Wrestling. When the WWF purchased Georgia Championship Wrestling, which of course is known as Black Saturday, they actually actually recognized the current national champion, who was the spoiler. Uh, keep that in mind. That that will matter in a second and tie into what we're talking about. Uh, eventually, the title was relaunched when Oli started Georgia Championship Wrestling. Uh, Ted DiBiase was <clears throat> the first champion there in 84. And he actually won a phantom match against Spoiler. The point is that the match never happened, but they said it did. It couldn't happen because Spoiler worked for, for Vince and the WBF. The reason I bring up Ted DiBiase will also matter in a second. And eventually that title was unified with the NWA US title. Like you said, Nikita Koloff was the one who defeated Wahoo McDaniel to unify the titles. Um, nice. Also, just for the record, that title has been reinstated three different times. Once in 1997, again in 2017, and then yet again in 2018. And it's hmm. still active today. Interesting. Well, that's, that's pretty cool. I assume on the actual NWA uh, program. Yep. The one thing that popped out to me, which I'm glad you actually mentioned, and it's kind of random that you did, Black Saturday actually happened, as we record, 38 years ago today, on July 14th, 1984. Wow. Super random. Crazy. Right? And um, what's for funny... Com- yeah, go ahead. No, go for it. I was just going to tell everyone, you know, just for context for those I'm sure many do know, if anyone does not know, that is actually the day when Vince McMahon and the WWF took over the time slot on the Superstation WTBS that had been home to Georgia Championship Wrestling. So they basically bought that out. There's more to the story. We won't go into it. Um, but all of a sudden, you can Google Black Saturday WWF um, and see a video of uh, Vince McMahon showing up on the set of what was actually called World Championship Wrestling, which was the name of the show, not the promotion, uh, an act that was known as Black Saturday. So crazy to think about. We'll never have anything yeah. like that ever again. Probably not. Let's hope, hope for the not at least for Vic, for Vince to not show up. On I mean, the closest thing we have to that is Shane and Vince being on the last. Yeah, show. yeah, that is that's got to be definitely for re- for more realistic things because you know they truly bought them out too. But if anything yeah, exactly. else has been kind of storyline, right? I mean, like, you know, the fake ECW revival or yep. things like that. Yeah. So we don't usually do this, but because this Omni show is promoted so heavily on television, I thought we can kind of just kind of go through the card a little bit and talk a little bit about what they were hyping up. Um, so WC promoted the event again on July 5th. It was at the Omni. Get this, 2,000 people in attendance. All the hype, all the, you know, the, um, you know, Watts was really behind it when we we read through his interviews, his quotes, how that's their MSG, et cetera. I mean, they put so much emphasis on their actual, like, prime TV show. Of course, they're talking to a national audience and they're, you know, really promoting a house show here. So, not many people are going to be flying in for this. Uh, that said, you know what? What's there's there's got to be a disconnect. I mean, obviously the the promotion is on a downswing, but to only drive to about two thousand people, it's pretty alarming, wouldn't you say? 
Uh, yes, considering they talked about this uh, constantly on television. I, I mentioned last week that they really started hyping house shows. There was even an episode of Saturday Night where they mentioned that they were going to be in like Baltimore or something like that. Yeah. At 7.30 that night. That's and right. That's right. The uh, episode of Saturday Night that aired on July the 4th, they sat and hyped the Omni show over and over again on that card. And the funny part of that is there actually would have been a WCW television show airing around the same time the Omni show was. And they didn't mention that at all. Of course, typical WCW. But I mean, again, just for some context, not that I say this is necessarily the right way to do it or to promote, but TV was not the bread and butter you know, house shows were. So from that perspective, I guess I can understand a little bit, but it's still mind boggling that you would use your national television station and, and show to promote this, you know, random house show. And obviously it's the Omni. That's, you know, where they, you know, they're, as Watt said, they're at MSG, but it's just really mind boggling, especially add to the fact that we have a pay-per-view coming up in a week. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You can support us on Patreon and get these shows. With ads and plugs removed, the Wade Keller Processing Podcast, Wade Keller Processing Post Shows, and the PW Torch Daily Cast throughout the week with ads and plugs removed, plus a few bonus VIP shows throughout the month for just $4.99 a month. Check it out, patreon.com slash pwtorchvip. That's patreon.com slash pwtorchvip. And you can also upgrade to other tiers and receive even more benefits through Patreon. Um, so we're going down the card real quick just to talk through some of these things. The opener was Bobby Eaton over Larry Zabisco. Again, I have no idea how he's still wrestling. We thought he was retired months ago, or at least I, I did. Um, that was a star and a half. Liger is still in the promotion. He um, fought Johnny B. Bad to a time limit draw of 16 minutes, but it was announced as a 20-minute draw. So anyone with a watch was able to call that out pretty easily. No, it counts the uh, entrances. Oh, there you go. Okay. So before the <laughs> bell. Yeah. <laughs> the tried and true. Um, that was given a uh, uh, two stars. Uh, by the way, we'll give a shout out to uh, Steve Prazak, who filed the report. He said that Lager seemed to wrestle conservatively as opposed to taking a chance on the relatively inexperienced bad who messed up some moves. A uh, quick note here, Dustin Rhodes pinned Greg Valentine's, uh, Valentine excuse me, in nine minutes. Ron Simmons still getting that super push, but has to face the Super Invader. 
<laughs> he beat him with the power slam in seven. That was a start and a half. This is one you would probably want front row for, right? You got Barry Windham pinning stunning Steve Austin uh, in a non-title match at 13 minutes. So that was two and a half, you know, I would say average or just below average there. Yeah, which is kind of surprising because those guys have worked together quite a bit. So I'm surprised it wasn't better than that. And Austin's always, always talked up Barry Windham as one of the best. And I think one of his preferred, I don't say partners or opponents, rather, just in wrestling, just someone he really looked up to. Uh, I would say if you asked him that question in 1992, he would probably agree with you. Well, I've heard him say that on his pod. I know the podcast is, you know, a few years now, but he has mentioned that a lot on the podcast. Oh, as far as Wyndham being good? Yes. I thought yes. as far as him being like a preferred opponent. No, no, not not that at all. More just because, the like uh, I would reputation. imagine he was, he was a preferred opponent in that period of time. But in 2022, with all the people that Austin worked with after that, I would imagine he's not anymore. Yeah, that's fair. I, I think more in the history of his career. That's one guy that just comes to mind for him. Yeah, him and uh, Savio Vega. <laughs> Clearly. Hey, he actually has good things to say about him, doesn't he? Yeah, I'm being dead serious. It sounds yeah. like I'm kidding, but no, I'm being okay. Very- good, because <laughs> I yeah, I was going to say that's he actually. It's ironic that's the case, but it's it's certainly true. Uh, this is one I actually really would like to see: um, Sting versus Arn Anderson. He pinned Sting, pinning Anderson in ten minutes. It was a non-title match. Um, gave it a three and a half. Uh, excuse me, three and a quarter star. So that was probably the match of the night up until this point. Then we're going to get into the first title change. Only got a star and a half, but this was Brad Armstrong pinning Scotty Flamingo in about 13 minutes to again capture that light heavyweight title. Um, a note here, the fans were more likely not to be into the bout considering few expected former jobber Armstrong to win. So there you have it. Uh, and then you mentioned here this in this report, there was some boring chance throughout. Can't blame them. I mean, to your point about the Ric Flair pay-per-view, I mean, who, what, what, where's the feud here? You know, where's the Brad Armstrong feud with Scotty Flamingo over this title? So, um, seems like a hot shot. You know, I'm glad you brought that up because I want to actually commend WCW and we're going to rip on WWF for this in like 10, 15 minutes, but, um, everything on this Omni show is super cohesive to what's on television right now with the exception of the Brad Armstrong Scotty Flamingo thing it is the only thing on this show that has not been featured on TV as far as feuds go which could lead into it actually doesn't answer the question that I asked you before is this a push for Armstrong or a D push for the light heavyweight title it's more confounding to me now. Yeah. And again, it, it uh, well, as far as the title change goes, I mean, again, it could be a situation where, like I said before, Watts wants to reward, you know, a guy like Armstrong. Yeah. And this is a way to do that um, without really rocking the boat. But with that said, if you really want to push that your house shows are important, Having title changes on them does perpetuate that notion. And since you're already, uh, again, I'm guessing, you're already planning a title change at the pay-per-view with Sting and Vader, 
you're not going to swap that one. And you already talked about it. They're going to swap the tag titles. So the only other option would be either Austin losing the title back to Wyndham, but you've kind of been there, done that. So your really only option there is the light heavyweight title. Yeah. Yeah. That logic. Uh, that's very logical based on the facts here. Um, the eighth match of the night, Rick Rude fought Nikita Koloff to a double DQ in five minutes. Oh, brutal. Um, Koloff is just, I'm just not interested in anything he, he's given us around this time. No. This was given a star and three quarters for, for reference. Yeah, and a star and a half of it were Rick Rude. Oh, I'm sure. Absolutely. Uh, in the main event, as mentioned before, 13-minute match, Williams and Gordy defeated Rick and Scott Steiner to win the title. So this was also given pretty good rating, three and a quarter stars. Um, so the interesting thing is here, and I'm not sure we're going to talk about this. I f- might be in one of our notes here. Um, just to know that the Steiners are also the IWGP Tag Team Champions, and that's the New Japan Tag Titles. So they recently won them. I think we will be talking about that, but... There's just all these tag team championships floating around at this time. And really just at this point, um, primarily just on these two teams. Yeah, I think I accidentally brought that up and spoiled that last week because I asked you why they had those titles on the the Saturday night show. Yeah, you might have been just a week before, but even yeah. still, I was kind of I, I watched the same episode, so I lost track of the the timing as well. Um, we're going to shoot for those that might be following along with us. We're actually shooting back to the cover page because there is a little bit of a, um, I would say kind of a sub main cover article here regarding a AAA event in Los Angeles. This is really interesting because I think this is the precursor of, um, AAA gaining a little bit of momentum in the mid nineties, um, around this time. So they promoted a show in the Los Angeles on July 4th. There were 5,000-plus fans packed into the Cal State Los Angeles Gymnasium, and more than 1,000 fans turned away, which is pretty nuts. Uh, Approximately four-fifths of the fans were of Mexican descent, just for context there. Well, that Um, makes sense. Yeah, for that that region, um, for sure makes sense. That promotion, obviously. Um, But that leads me to ask, like, this is probably rhetorical, really, but... um, well, actually, maybe I do answer that. Wade probably answers this a little bit. But um, the question popped in my mind was, why didn't they gain more traction? I mean, they obviously have interest, and there's a, a little bit, bit of a market here um, at this time. So I'm just, you know, that was the first thing that popped in my head. Um, the one thing, and as I wrote that in my notes, Wade pretty much quickly answered it for me. Uh, he says there's no follow-up show uh, announced at the moment. And there was a uh, report of the promoters arguing in the backstage. So that's probably not a good sign. Whether that was the reason or not, uh, even still, just not a good sign to see that happening. Um, and then just the last note, lar- it was the largest independent show in the U.S. this year. Which, you know, for this for this time frame, I mean, hey, if you get 5,000 plus fans anywhere now and you're not WWE, like that's pretty darn good. Yeah, I agree. I went to an AEW TV taping that didn't have that many people there. Absolutely. Yeah, I think they ran crazy um, in Georgia this week. And I want to say they were under under four, maybe under five, but somewhere in that range. 
I wonder what a ticket cost to that back then. This triple A show? Uh-huh. I bet we could find that out. I don't know, I wonder. Wrestling fans, if you're looking for a unique and entertaining way to get your wrestling podcast fixed, check out Ring Rust Radio. Ring Rust Radio uses its trademark brand of banter to cover all professional wrestling you love, including WWE, NXT, New Japan, Lucha Underground, ROH, Impact Wrestling, and more. We also hold sit-down interviews with some of the biggest names in the history of the business, such as Stone Cold Steve Austin, Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, Chris Jericho, Kurt Angle, Trish Stratus, AJ Styles, and Roman Reigns. For those of you who want their wrestling with a perfect mix of serious analysis and comic relief, find Ring Rust Radio dropping every Wednesday night on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcasts. Um, anything else before we move to WWF news? Um, no, we talked about the Omni show. No. So there's a lot of good stuff in this WWF section. It's been a long time coming, I think, for both of us. We've been kind of, you know, just really WCW heavy, which is it has been fun. But this is a good good issue to talk WWF. Um, and we'll start with Bob Backlund. Whatever, <laughs> how best to uh, to get things going in the uh, in the in the right WWF frame of mind with the Bob Backlund story um, on July 1st in White Plains, New York. Bob Backlund returned to the WWF ring. Um, according to reports, most people didn't even know who he was. Uh, got little to no reaction, uh, which is really interesting, um, considering they've kind of ignored this man for about a decade. So, of course, they're not going to know who he is, right? I mean, I never knew Bob Backlund until he re-debuted on TV, and they had to tell us who the heck he was. Uh, yeah, I mean... My original memories of Bob Backlund, unfortunately, are of watching him as the manager for the Sultan. Oh, interesting. Okay, so you were past the uh, Bret Hart feud by then. Yep. And then when I rented tapes, I found out that he had been champion and lost to Diesel and had the feud with Bret with the the white handkerchief that we'll talk about, you know, in couple of years but <laughs> yeah. i found all that out by by watching it but <clears throat> you know the old tapes but backland is um backland's interesting and i have i have a couple of interesting notes on him but i'll let you keep going before we get into all that yeah so um backland pins skinner in his in his return match here uh it's said to be a, a house show only deal for now so there's really no um impending debut on television but uh, wade does give some background to backland and i'm actually going to just read through this a little bit because some of this uh, you know knew pretty well but there's more here that um, gives some good context um backland the former wbf heavyweight champion uh having lost in january of 84 to the iron sheik who weeks later lost to hulk hogan in a quick vince mcmahon jr induced change of direction for the wbf Backlund wrestled after that with the Pro Wrestling USA group, which was a combination of the NWA and mostly the AWA, which I actually don't know if I knew that. Uh, so that's a good tidbit. Uh, he exchanged the America's title with Larry Zbysko. Otherwise, he had made a few independent appearance, uh, appearances, got beat up in Japan's UWF promotion once, and coached amateur wrestling. 
His return to the WWF is surprising for several reasons, partially because Backlund is returning to wrestling after not being part of the national scene for six years, but mostly because McMahon would believe Backlund would be of value. So I think those last two pieces in this article, or the, excuse me, this paragraph, are pretty darn on spot. I mean, this guy hasn't even been, let alone WWF, whatever. He hasn't been wrestling anywhere of significance for six full years. And he's in his 40s now, by the way. And um, the fact that McMahon would actually feel the need to bring him back, whether he's on TV or on house shows, is really kind of strange. It, it's really funny that you just brought up his age. He would have been uh, 42 or 43 at this point. And let's fast forward to 2022. I have a list of guys who are that age or older. Are you ready? Oh, late on me. Yeah. Brock Lesnar. CM Punk. AJ Styles. Chris Jericho. And Sheamus. Wow. Doesn't seem that old anymore, does it? No, not really. I think you. I could add, like, I'm thinking of the, the uh, AEW side. I believe Punk is, like, 43. Yeah, I had Punk in there. Oh, you did. Sorry. Yeah, you do. Brian Danielson's like 40, 41. So he's close to that age. Yeah, I didn't even think of him. Yeah, that's amazing. That's really amazing. And, you know, when they talked about him and what not to spoil it too much, but most people know he does obviously reappear on television at some point. Um, the way they talk about him, they actually kind of speak to his age, too. It's just it's just so funny how Vince just hates just people of certain ages like there's a there's a cliff for him although nowadays it's the cliff is getting a little bit longer yep because he's getting much, a little bit older more. obviously yeah um the other thing here with backland and uh just just some small interesting things but if you didn't know this backland was actually the champion when the wwf became the wwf So as far as like the initials WWF, he was their first champion during that switch. During his first title run, he actually lost the title to Antonio Inoki and then vacated it and Backlund won the vacant title. But funny story here, WWE doesn't acknowledge that any of this ever happened and they called this entire time one title run for Backlund, which totaled 2,135 days. In actuality, he had two reigns, one of them for 648 and one for 1470, which for those people doing quick math at home does not add up to 2,130. <laughs> That's so, awesome. Anyway, WWF just fudging the numbers. Yep. Anyway, um, the reason I bring that up is because we just talked about him and how they portray him as old and all that kind of stuff. WBF recently has, or WBE recently has started bringing up because of the length of Reigns' title reign that only X number of people held the title for, for longer periods of time previous to him. And the names that are brought up are Bruno, Backlund, and Hogan. And now, you know, you add Reigns to that list. 
clearly Backlund is the least celebrated of the four, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Like I said, they pretty much ignored him for about a decade. I mean, if you even look at the best of, I'm just thinking of a specific example, like the best of WBF, those Coliseum videos from the eighties, they didn't, he, he was never on them and they would, they would show matches from the seventies, the early eighties, like everything pre Hogan, um, and never a backland match, for example. Like, just, yeah, you just wipe them clean from existence. And 2000 days is what? How many years is that? Is that seven years? I'm not a, I'm in marketing. I'm not a bath guy. <laughs> <laughs> but let's see. That's just over five, like five and a half years. Yeah. Like the guy was champion for five and a half years. Like that's crazy that he just is not considered anything amongst the that group. Wade goes on. I'm going to add to this context too. He says Backlund was a successful champion for the WWF, but by no means overwhelmingly popular. His image as a clean-cut, soft-spoken pro wrestler with amateur background goes against everything the WWF promotes as wrestling today. It will be interesting to see what his role is and what the reaction will be. Tim, as he rustles a few more shows in White Plains, like I said before, he got little reaction and many were asking who he was. So to add to everything that Wade said, you just said he's just a super freaking boring wrestler. Whether you watch him in the 80s or, you know, around this time in the 90s, he's just really boring. Yeah. What's funny is that his character got so interesting. It does. It's great. Yes. There's that turn. But there's a turn and uh, yeah, he he really plays into it. But in the ring, he is still boring. So boring. And I and I think I'm not by no means an expert um, on Bob Backlund, nor do I want to be. But um, I believe his early you know run with that, you know, say five year title reign was more successful as far as getting over with the crowd. I think people it weighed on people over time, though, and it just kind of fell flat and. I'm sure a lot of that a lot of that had to do with the um, probably the nature of the wrestling fan really changing too. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Did you know we also have a website? PWTorch.com. Daily news updates, editorials, and my live TV coverage covering Raw, Dynamite, and SmackDown, and my live pay-per-view coverage for WWE and AEW. Create a tab or bookmark, make it a daily stop, visit us throughout the day, every day to keep up on breaking news and more. That's pwtorch.com. Well, what's crazy is that, like, Vince Jr. could not wait to get that thing off of him. So much so that, here's a little trivia question for you. He lost it to Iron Sheik, who then lost it to Hogan. Do you know how long Iron Sheik was champion for? Do you know the answer to that? Um, I'm going to round up, I think, like a month. You're not even close. He was champion for nine days. Oh, my gosh. Oh, wow. Is that real? Yes. I did not realize that. Wow. That's kind of insane. That's how quick that happened. Jeez. So this five and a half year title reign was over like that. Gave it to the heel. Nine days later, put it on Hogan and we were off to the races. Wow. I uh, the thing that's always intrigued me, too, is that he almost literally disappears after that. I mean, he he does stick around 
appearing for some matches in the WWF, maybe for like another few months. But basically, he's done. And then, as Wade noted in this article, he'll he appears here and there over the next couple of years. But he's pretty much gone then again for, according to him, six years. Yeah, so. exactly. And then, <clears throat> you know, they bring him back sparingly throughout the 90s. But yeah, yeah. Uh, moving on at the television tapings on Tuesday, June 30th. Um, Ric Flair complained to Mr. Perfect in an interview that Perfect screwed up title negotiations for SummerSlam, which caused him to lose his chance at Savage's title. Flair came off as the face in the confrontation, but that's not necessarily what will eventually be his role. This does indicate that Henning believes he will be able to return from his back injury after SummerSlam. His back will certainly be tested against Flair. So I think I question this for you in our notes, whether this actually ends up being shown on a superstars or any TV. I could never recall this happening. Um, so it's very possible that it just never aired. But um, interesting twist to explain why Flair is not in the uh, title title match on the pay-per-view. OK, <clears throat> so just real quick, um, we're going to talk about the <clears throat> July 11th episode and I want to backtrack. You're right. It's 28 days. The nine day rain was the Antonio Noki thing. I screwed that. Uh, I see. Okay, got it. So it's about days. a month. Okay. Because yeah, I kept thinking the it was from like one MSG show to the next, and um, that's exactly what it was. Yeah. Okay, got it. That Noki thing just threw me all off. Okay, sorry. Back to Flair. Um, we're going to talk about the the July 11th episode. I've watched ahead and it is not on the July 18th episode, but on the July 18th episode that we'll talk about next week, they do announce the Savage Warrior match and Mm -hmm. tease a segment with Flair and Perfect for the July 25th episode and the thumbnail picture for that episode on Peacock is flair and perfect both in suits in the ring. So I think the answer to your question is it's going to air on July 25th. All right. Awesome. Yeah. Um, if, if, and when you get to that, if, if I don't get to it first, I'm interested in that feedback because again, it's something I didn't know there that this was the twist that they kind of gave as to why flair automatically all of a sudden is just kind of dropped from the main event scene. Well, not for nothing. They wait forever to pay that off. Which part? The flare perfect part. Oh, that, that's absolutely yeah, absolutely. It I know, like the seed's been planted. That's true. Talk about a slow burn, <laughs> right? Right. Um, Wade also then ran down the recent TV interview between Savage and the Warrior to set up the SummerSlam main event. So I think a lot of this has to do with what you're kind of uh, alluding to as far as what's coming up in the actual, you know, TV shows. Um, the interesting thing here that Wade mentioned that Savage is going to be turning heel or uh, I guess the way he's phrases it is more in the sense that the way Savage was acting during this interview is an allude, you know, kind of alluding to the fact that he will be turning heel. So interesting if this is the case or the thought process um, or if it's more so Wade's kind of interpretation of what he thinks will happen. Yeah, I think <clears throat> that's 
Wade reading between the lines. Because remember, he's reading a report from whoever was at the television taping, so he hasn't yeah. seen how it's been edited and put on television yet. I have not either. This also has not aired yet. Um, for me, anyway. Obviously, it's aired. It was 30 years ago. But anyway. Um, <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't spoil it. Somebody might think this is real real time. Oh, I would feel really bad if this was what they were watching. I'm going to say that for what the interesting stars. Um, anyway, again, it it might be the subtle thing that WWE does, though, where they have the babyface match and they they want to have some hints of who they would rather you cheer for or give you a reason to pick one. I guess it seems like with the with the exception of a very few. You know, Hogan Warrior coming to mind. They've always kind of done that. That's like really the only one I could think of where they didn't. Yeah, yeah. Well, we have a little bit of a shift in our SummerSlam card. Wade has some new matches to note, or at least more of a rounded um, card. Some of these are a little bit different from the last time we did this, maybe two weeks ago, um, two episodes ago, but. there are um, probably more matches that we'll actually see on the card in this iteration. So we start off with Savage and Warrior for the title, uh, Legion of Doom and Money Inc. for the tag titles, Bret Hart versus the British Bulldog, and somehow it looks like, can you imagine HBK also is wrestling <laughs> the British Bulldog? Um, but for, for real, Wade has uh, the Bulldog listed twice. So, yeah, y- you have... Uh, a note here. I, that's what I was kind of assuming that it was maybe related to, like if if HBK beats Hart first for the title or something, then you know he might face the Bulldog, um, or of course it's just a typo. <laughs> yeah, both are entirely possible because um, on the television, and again we we will talk about this, but on the television they are highly promoting. Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels, like if you asked me at this time watching the TV, that would be my prediction for the semi main event of SummerSlam. Like if if it was how they did television now, there's no way that's not a top three match on the card with the way that they're building it. Yeah, we talked about this a little bit last week or maybe the week before, but yeah, it's it's so deceiving that their TV and what actually ends up happening on the pay-per-view. And it's kind of funny that they, whatever the strategy was, you know, they lucked into the fact that they had a built-in audience in the UK that's going to pay to come see this, whatever the card ends up being. Um, because again, the TV is super deceiving in what actually shakes out. Um, the Undertaker and Kamala will face off, according to Wade. Uh, Bossman and Nails is also slated to happen on the card. Uh, Slaughter, Sergeant Slaughter and the Mountie as well, which is interesting. Um, uh, but it makes sense. Again, according to TV, there's a big feud happening on Superstars there. High Energy against the Nasty Boys. The Beverly Brothers against the Natural Disasters. And finally, Crush versus the Repo Man in a battle of the uh demolition so pretty um i would say pretty strong card on paper what's funny is it's a shame they didn't uh put repo man and crush together as like a comedy tag team like crush's whole thing is he talks about how he's gonna crush things and (laughs) 
Repo Man wants to steal all your stuff. So it would have been funny if Repo Man stole stuff and then Crush got so excited that he accidentally crushed Repo Man's new possession. <laughs> like, that would have been a great comedy team. Nowadays, that's exactly how they'd book it. Yeah, probably. Like, totally, 100%. Um, I hate it. I've had worst ideas. Oh, totally, yeah, yeah. Or, like, Repo Man could hire Crush to be his, like, um, his muscle. Yeah, and that like, makes sense. Yeah, like, take, take you know, take out whoever he's trying to, you know, he's repossessing their possessions, right? So, like, Crush is the one that, like, you know, bodyguard slash muscle scenario. You don't have to wait for the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Show to find out what I thought of Monday Night Raw and SmackDown each week. You can check out my reports that are updated live throughout Raw and SmackDown at pwtorch.com. My written report will tell you what's happening in detail in case you missed the show. And it will also analyze key segments and give my random thoughts and quips on what I am watching as it airs. So check it out every Monday night and Tuesday night at pwtorch.com. That also applies to WWE pay-per-views. I cover those live at pwtorch.com with a detailed written report with star ratings. And of course, you can find other TV reports from other contributors to PW Torch, such as NXT, ROH Impact Wrestling, and more. Check it out, pwtorch.com, your first stop for TV and pay-per-view written reports. You know, you bring up that they were in demolition together, and I ne- I am well aware that they both were, and I never put two and two together. Like I knew the second you started saying that, I knew that's where you were going, and it's hilarious because I often just I don't even think about it either. Like it's, it's just so weird. It's strange. It's really strange because they're you know they're. I mean, Crush is his is the same name. You know, it hasn't changed much. He doesn't doesn't have face paint. But Rupa Man, more or less, you know, the same. He put a little mask on. No, and we've talked, we've talked about this before, but Crush has to be like keeping the same name and changing gimmicks so many times. He has to have the record for that, where they like never changed his name, but he had like five different <laughs> gimmicks under the exact same name. Yes, yes. That's the key, you know, not changing your name, but having all these different gimmicks. Yeah, it's a shame that he couldn't have carried that into WCW because he wrestled another like three to four years, but he used hey, his he real name. Chronic. Yeah, he was in chronic. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So one one of the uh, past casts uh, um, mascots, Steve Planamena, is in the news again. He has some comments um, about the recent WWF allegations and how the company has been dealing with them. Um, I'm not sure, honestly. What do you think they've... He says they've dealt with a lot of the allegations. I don't read in here anywhere the how or the what. Like, what do they actually do to, quote-unquote, deal with them? Um, You tell me if if I'm not thinking of things, but... You know, dealing with them is what firing three of the people or um, and that's I guess to some degree you can make that point. But I don't know what from a steroids perspective, for example, like what are they doing? Well, I'm going to back up your point and also kind of push back on you at the same time, because you just said they fired people. Who did they fire? They all resigned. 
There you go. Okay. So yeah, semantics, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're, you know, forced resignations probably, but you're right. You're right. I mean, the funny part too, is he says they've dealt with it. And then like the next sentence out of his mouth mentions that none of their sponsors or advertisers have pulled out. Right. Yeah. Which is really topical to what's going on in current day right now, because Despite all the controversy in WWE, that's exactly what they would say because nobody's pulled out yet. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, that is really the first shoe to drop if if and when that happens in the current day. Like that's going to be a the big the big piece to this this Vince McMahon story. But again, not even I don't think the stock's been hurt too much. This is a totally separate issue, but isn't it funny to think about in in hindsight? And even I mean, even current day, but the times when sponsors pulled out of WWE, WWF was during their hottest period because their television was slightly controversial as opposed to when there was a steroid scandal and uh, sexual misconduct allegations. Isn't that just like, yeah, like, really? Yep. It just makes you wonder, man. It certainly does. I mean, money goes a long way. But the one thing that really, you know, this is so WWF, like all the things we just said, you know, Steve Plenum has said in this uh, in this article, he's then quoted as saying, I'm sure someone else will come up with a new lie at some point just to keep it going. I think the next thing that's going to come out is that Vince and Hulk were involved in the Kennedy assassination. And then he goes on. But like just typical WWF BS. They just have to like attack always, always, always. Um, he's actually even said um, people have accused them of everything uh, outside of murder. Again, just like going above and beyond. Like they're just they're just like this little child and they've never grown out of that. It's it's so weird. I don't know, maybe because we follow them, so we know that the history of what they do and how they react to these things. But can there ever be a company out there that's ever so childish as this one? Uh, no. Uh, definitely not. And the other part, too, is you're right. Everything is an attack against them. Therefore, they attack back. <laughs> and... Their their whole mantra is everyone is against Vince and and this this remains so topical considering what happened. Yeah, it does. It's it's like Pretty a perfect. TV. I wouldn't even I wouldn't even call it a bookend because the story's not over. But like as of where we are today, I guess it's a bookend. In the last thirty years, it's it's kind of incredible. And it it's always framed by WWF as it's. Vince and the company and us as fans against everyone else. Yeah, always. Yeah. And, you know, I admit, though, I don't know about you. There was a time that that worked on me. Not saying any time recently, but. For the steroid scandal, it worked on me because I I think that they had a point. Like, I do think that was a little bit of an attack. And that's why the case didn't go anywhere, because they didn't have any evidence. Sure. But as far as the thing going on in 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 real time, uh, us didn't do that. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Like, that's, that's not the <laughs> yes. same thing. 
That's so, not a WWE universe thing. <laughs> yeah, this this time it's not then now forever together. Totally, it's totally. Then now forever you you yeah. you did you, that. Yeah. <laughs> well said. Well said. It's true. It's true. Um, they continue to go down down that well. Uh, one thing though, he does say he they blame he's blaming um, concerts in the summer as reasons why their attendance has dipped. I think there's a very old tried and true trope in wrestling. Like, do not blame anything else on a poorly booked, whether it's a card or a promotion. You know, it's not the the new uh, McDonald's that opened down the street that made people not come to your show, for example. Um, so interesting that that's where they go here. What's funny about you saying that, too, is that's what uh, Bruce Pritchard always says on his show. You know, it could have been the new gas station that opened up down the right, street. There's right. a lot of things that happen that have, and it's just like, guys, you can take some responsibility for for some of this, especially because I'll tell you, I I like I watch this superstar show every week, sometimes two of them at a time, which I don't know why I do oh, that. Oh, God, myself. love you, <laughs> but yeah, like it's one of those. things things where i just feel like i i need to do it for everybody because god forbid any of you have to watch this <laughs> it is so bad it's so bad like there is no i am not surprised at all that people are not watching this especially considering we're a month out from the show and nothing on your show has anything to do with on, what's on the pay-per-view that i'm supposed to pay for you know, it's so ironic that you said that, and I don't know why it didn't click for me until just hearing you say it. But WCW and WWF are doing the exact same thing, and that's not building up their own pay-per-views. Exactly. For some in bizarre reason. It's like they forgot how to book their promotion. Very strange. It's just, um, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. It's very odd. Speaking of odd, I'm glad you used that word to transition us because there's a note here that says Jane Fonda, who's actively at this time the wife of Ted Turner, she appeared on a WBF show. And Vince was on the show. He had all it says here really is he had a field day with her and Turner, meaning like, you know, the fact that they're married. I didn't look this up anywhere. I should and I I probably will. But this is it was kind of random and kind of weird, too. Give yourself a reason to look forward to going to the mailbox each week with a PW Torch newsletter paper copy subscription. Details at pwtorch.com slash paper copy. It's 12 pages every week packed with my TV reports along with exclusive features such as my cover story on the top story of the week, our pay-per-view roundtable reviews from the Torch staff, exclusive feature-length columns from Greg Parks, Rich Fan, Sean Radikin, Alan Cunahan, and Zach Hadorn, Torch Talk transcripts, the latest news, and more pwtorch.com slash papercopy. Take a break from screen time and settle in every week with a mega dose of wrestling news and analysis with a Pro Wrestling Torch newsletter, Paper Copy Edition, in the year 2022. You can get a full year of home delivery for just $99. Or try us for an eight-week trial subscription. pwtorch.com slash papercopy. Yeah, I didn't look it up either, and I... Like, 
why was she on the show? You would think that would be a conflict of interest. Right. Something along those lines. I mean, I know she was big into like the fitness uh, videos around this time. So, you know, I would just putting those two things together, maybe. Um, And I assume that's actually it. But other than that, it's kind of weird. Well, also, clearly she was a huge WCW fan because she married Ted Turner in 91 which was only a few years after he acquired WCW. Listen, listen, I'm not done. And they divorced in 2001, which was when WCW went out of business. So clearly there's a correlation. Here. So the reason I was laughing early is because I, I wrote the note of when they were married, like the bracket of their marriage, and I didn't even think about it. So I, I knew exactly where you're going with that. I love it. That's great. Just saying. Did are you think Vince and the WBF got her in the divorce or in the in the acquisition rather? Based on current allegations, that would not surprise me. Not surprise me. Yeah. <laughs> um, here's one. References to Ico Pro have been abundant on WBF TV, and some of the claims they are making could be fraudulent. The FCC may be justified no. in getting involved. Yeah. Yep. And then I'll just one more note. Hulk Hogan uh, vitamins filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy a couple months ago. Not that, that those two are related, but they very well could be. You're in the age group where you would have asked your parents for those, didn't you? No, um, no, I wasn't really like aware of stuff like that as much. Like I was into wrestling and I was um, more into like figures versus like the vitamins. Yeah, that's how I was you when know. I was a kid. It was like, give me videotapes and action figures. And videotapes, too. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. The only thing I can think of that I had that wasn't, um, like like I said, like videotapes and action figures was, I think my, my mom got me like, um, like WWF sheets or something okay. in, in like the mid-90s, late-90s. And I remember one year, you remember when you used to do like the Valentines at school? Yes, yes. I remember they had I don't even remember if it was WWF or WCW, but those are like the only two things I could think of that of all the like stupid crap merchandise they had that I ever really had. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's a good one. That's a really good one, especially the Valentine's Day one. I wonder they, they still have to do that. I'm not sure my uh, kids are the age that, do, yeah. that's happening, I would, but yeah, I would assume they do. Yeah. Um, so sensational Sherry, she's received a reduced work uh, schedule upon request. And <laughs> Wade notes this really made me laugh out loud. A duplicate Sherry has been used at house shows with HBK. Um, Who the hell do you think was this duplicate? I looked this up everywhere and I felt really dumb after I looked it up because I started to think that maybe this is a joke. Do you think so? I mean, he does like to throw those in there. Because you would think this would pop up pretty easily, and it's not on the internet. There's he doesn't no- say anything beyond the word using. Just the word duplicate made me laugh, but um, I don't know. This could be one we might have to ask him again, too. Yeah. I'm, Adding to our list. He may He may not remember, but if he does, he probably would remember who it is. Maybe. Unless it was just like a no-name. It would be funny know. if it was a different person in every town, like especially yeah. if they all look totally different. Like one of them is a blonde woman. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> well, the uh, yeah, WWF didn't have much of a budget at this point, so they're just going to take whatever they can get, whether they 
have the right hair color or not. That's true. Um, there's a note here, uh, a show in Poughkeepsie, New York. There was a bunch of fans protesting against the WWF. So interesting that that was creeping up. But you don't really this is one of the first times we're actually hearing this um, maybe once or twice before, but really kind of not not really recently. So the fact that all these things are still kind of going on um, outside of the, the view of the cameras, this whole Titan Gate story um, to be more clear, you know, we don't really hear much about this, but uh, interesting that this is uh, this popped up. Um, Rocco, the uh, the dummy. What else? What else we call him? The, the, the dummy was introduced via vignette. Uh, Wade says it was one of the cornier things as of late, which is really saying something considering Papa Shango and all the shenanigans he's getting into. No, this is worse. It was the uh, the whole. I mean, Wade talks about this in the issue, but um, it's basically the uh, LOD going through rubble um, in their former home. And I, and actually, as I'm saying it out loud, Alex, I think you even told us about it last week, didn't you? Yeah, whatever episode of Superstars yeah. I had to sit for that. Yeah, brutal, brutal stuff. They find Rocco, and then yeah, bad. Um, there is talk the WWF will be cutting back some U.S. shows. They've told some outside performers to keep their current jobs. In other words, you know, if you're not working for us right now, you might want to stay where you are. Um, they may also be adding more U.K. shows to pick up the slack in the U.S. So not surprising. I mean, we're hearing just the great post WrestleMania eight um, shows that were happening in the U.K. and then all the. The, just the poor showings in the U.S., so the trend continues. Uh, and I know you have a uh, Superstars report here for us this week. Uh, just to throw out, nothing happens on this episode. If you want to skip ahead two minutes, you can. Um, the first thing I want to ask you is, do you remember what Shawn Michaels' original finisher was? So I do, and it was so weird. It's so strange to me um that this was even a thing it was what did they call it like the side suplex it i don't know if they referred to it as a teardrop suplex but that's what it is i don't remember seeing anyone do this before or after it's similar to the angle slam in a way kind of it's so i think it's so much more awkward it is it's super awkward what's even funnier about it is and and the reason we're bringing this up now just for context is he he's only been a, a singles wrestler since like January December or something like that and at the rumble he was in the rumble so he didn't use his finish in that match right and then at WrestleMania he beat Tito Santana but he beat him with like a weird reversal thing so he didn't use his finish there either and even though he's gotten a lot of television time he has really been wrestling he's been doing a lot of like um what's the word I'm looking for like uh promos and and stuff with yeah, sharing backstage, stuff, backstage yeah. stuff and stuff like that so this is really like one of the first times we've seen him wrestle in 1992 as a solo act on television anyway and he actually super kicks the guy first and then does the suplex and pins him like that's the sequence very interesting, yeah. In retrospect, it's just like, just not right. 
Um, the first time I, I do remember this finisher specifically because the first time I ever even realized it was considered his finisher was like playing one of the game like Sega games. Um, maybe it was like WrestleMania or something oh, that that was his I finisher. And I'm like, and I remember like thinking, what? Like, what is this finisher? And I, I, I had <laughs> never seen him use it in real life before. But obviously, after the fact, you know, I, I'd seen matches with him uh, with him doing it. But it was that was the first time I ever realized. Huh. It probably lasts maybe a year, if that. Yeah, um. I'm interested to track it. I'm trying to think of like, I don't know. It's weird. Cause he, his moveset changes a lot over the years. Like he doesn't do the elbow here or the kip up, or there's a lot of stuff he just doesn't do yet. That becomes like a Shawn Michaels staple later on. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And there's gotta be a, a, a little pause between this move and the super kick because I think the super kick doesn't that really rise to prominence when he keeps hitting Diesel by accident and they break up. That's not until like late '94. Oh yeah, that could be. But I want to say um, he uses it against Razor. Oh maybe, but as a, I'm not sure as a finish. I don't yeah, know. I gotta think about that too. Yeah. Searching for more great pro wrestling talk. Then join me, Jason Powell, host of the free weekly Pro Wrestling Boom podcast. Each week, you'll hear the latest news and analysis from me and my team at ProWrestling.net, along with other pro wrestling media members. Plus, the Pro Wrestling Boom podcast features long-form interviews with notable names in the pro wrestling industry. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, and all your favorite secondary apps, or visit us directly at PWBoom.com. Once again, that's PWBoom.com. Uh, back to Rocco for a second. Um, very easy to see why this was on television. Uh, the Legion of Doom were in a match, and Paul Elring had Rocco with him at ringside. And Vince McMahon on commentary thinks Rocco is really, really, really funny. Oh, God. Is he as funny as a hillbilly? <laughs> is it like Some, that level somewhere, of Vince? Somewhere in that neighborhood. <laughs> okay. Uh, interesting note. The Undertaker beat a jobber named Bruce Mitchell. Bruce Mitchell, of course, <laughs> is the same name as a Torch columnist uh, in the past. Um, I feel like he, there's a thread there over the years. Like, I, I want to say they've used Meltzer's name before. That wouldn't shock as me. As well, right? Yeah. It's pretty good, though. I, I have to give it to them. That's pretty funny. Uh, we've had a rolling list of heels and faces. Um, I think we added Kamala. If we didn't officially add him, then I'm officially adding him here. But um, adding to the heel side is the Berserker and Skinner. Just insert them right at the bottom of whatever list we have going. And to the <laughs> face Sorry, side, uh, same thing with Virgil and Tito Santana. I totally forgot Virgil still worked here. He lasts like another like two years, like technically. Yeah, I totally forgot he still worked here. I don't know why I forgot that because I'm well aware that he shows up at pay per views later. But I don't know. Maybe I always assumed he got fired in between or something. I yeah, maybe he does. He yeah, there's there are like times where like the model comes to mind where he I always thought he was just there for 
you know, consistently there, but I think he comes and goes a few times. Yeah, that's um, true. for example. So I don't know. So not to go off on a Virgil derailment uh, by any means, but isn't it amazing? Like his 91, if you look in retrospect, was just an incredible year for any wrestler. He was super oh, yeah. over. They pushed him at like the two biggest pay-per-views and then 92 hits. And he's just, you know, a jobber, basically. He still gets cheers. Just he does. Yeah. yeah. And he's got great intro music. Yeah, just for the record, he does get cheered. I mean, it's not like overwhelming or anything, but people yeah. know who he is. He's not a yeah. nobody. Um, Brett issued a challenge to Shawn Michaels, and he called Sherry a tramp more than once. So there's some <laughs> great babyface 1992 stuff there. Uh, Nails had an identical squash match to the one that I talked about two weeks ago. Almost move for move identical. And it's probably because that's all nails can do. Basically choke them out, basically, you know. A bunch of stomps. Yeah, uh, kicks, a punches. slam or two, punches. Yeah. yeah. He, anybody, and I, I do not want to turn this into a tangent, but anybody that says John Cena only has five moves really needs to go watch, like, a nails match or a Virgil match or something like that from this era, because it is just so anyway. Yeah. I think the, I think I might've said this when we first talked about him a few weeks ago, but the only thing I I would say I like in air quotes about him is his name. I mean, that's saying something. Yeah. He's there again. They're pushing this big time. Um, Big time, big time. Like, this is, again, if you're asking me based on the television, I would tell you this match is, like, in the top four for this show. That's pretty bad. And you know what's interesting? So I always think about this um, from uh, the Hasbro figure collection. He actually has one, which, again, is really incredible. I mean, we, we're we just starting with his career here in the in the Fed, but... Um, it's not that long to be to be pretty obvious here as far as how long he stays. He has so, a figure. He does. He has a Hasbro figure. Okay, I would just like to point out that Nails has an action figure and we don't really. <laughs> Clearly, there's something wrong in the universe here. It's a terrible figure. It doesn't even look like him. No, he's <laughs> actually, actually kind of short too. Why is it bald? Uh, no, it's just lighter blonde. Oh, it just looks like that. Yeah, yeah I see now. it's like parted in the middle. Yeah, anyway. yeah, it's pretty bad. Yeah, that's not that is that's got to be a bottom five Hasbro that I've ever seen. Yeah, I never thought of it, but probably that's You're probably uh, right. Yeah, that's not in the upper echelon. Okay, well, here's it's amazing one. that that snuck through, you know, like uh, he, he just hit the hit it right on like perfect timing to get one of these. You still have. Do you have one? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They're on they're on eBay. They're not that expensive. Um. Anyway, so the last thing I have here is Razor Ramon number five uh, vignette. This is the one in the restaurant where he refuses to pay the bill because the waiter should know who he is and not charge. <laughs> of course. It's funny. It's a good one. 
Um, so if he's inferring that the waiter should know who he is, should the waiter know that he's the diamond stud? Ooh, I did not think of that, but yeah, I guess so. <laughs> right? I guess so. Yeah. Or or I Gander thought... Scott Hall. <laughs> <laughs> I I thought that he meant he should know that he's a drug dealer and you don't charge <laughs> drug dealers at restaurants. I guess yeah. Which also yeah. makes no sense, but Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> Um, thank you for that report. Anything else on the WWF side that uh, comes to mind? Oh, uh, okay. This, this show is bad, guys. So I told you this before, but I vividly have—I just have bad uh, memories of watching these superstars when they first came out on the network, and I don't ever want to go back anytime soon. So I—I feel for you going through this now. I am. I cannot wait for for raw because even though it's not great in the beginning there is at least some gems that i know we get in the first like five or ten episodes yeah yeah so i i cannot wait till january man and not only that but just like the atmosphere alone is like something fresh i agree i completely agree yeah um moving into wcw so there's some news on the nwa singles tournament for the new title um, the Well, I guess I would say the revival of the NWA title. It's going to be uh, starting in um, on August uh, 12th in Japan. It's going to have 16 wrestlers and actually eight are going to be non WCW and um, the other eight will be from WCW. So Wade includes who those actually only lists 15 people because uh, one person is noted twice. So another unfortunate typo here, but we'll hopefully get the uh, full list uh, next week. Um, so on the WCW side, we have Rude and Austin, if Anderson, Simmons, Wyndham, Vader, and both Steiners. So if you were asking me to pick like eight of the top um, WCW people at the moment, they're probably those eight right there. Like, I don't know if there's anyone glaringly missing. Maybe Steamboat is probably the one. But that's a damn good crop of guys. It's it's excellent. Um yeah, I mean, unless we're going to get super picky with, with Steamboat and Cactus, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, yeah, that's fair, too. Um, on the other side of the coin, there's uh, Scott Norton, Tony Helm, who's actually known as Ludwig Borger later in his career, and he's the one who's actually listed twice here. Um, Keiji Mutu, Ma- uh, Masachono, Hiroshi Hase, Kenzuki Sasaki, and Hashimoto. So uh, I know you don't follow too much japanese wrestling if at all but uh, did those kind of names resonate with you even if you hadn't seen much of them in action pw torch is now on youtube check out our relaunched revamped and reinvigorated youtube channel after many years sitting dormant collecting dust and now it's back shinier brighter it smells better it's our pw torch youtube channel and you can check out daily news updates the weekly fireside chat with Tyler Sage and Zach Hadorn, and my Keller commentaries. The first Keller commentary was my rebooking of WrestleMania 38's lineup. I used all the same wrestlers, but none of the same matches, and I tried to make a better two-night event. Decide for yourself. Go check it out. YouTube.com slash PWTorch. And be sure to hit subscribe and like our videos. Uh, Scott Norton, yes, for obvious reasons. Um, Hasi 
is actually part of the team that uh right yeah you know what i'm saying he's part yes, of the team yeah. that's in the tag tournament right correct yeah um muto sounds familiar yeah that would be that would be um the real name of the great muda got it okay yeah and then um hashimoto also sounds familiar yeah, so this is a little bit of a spoiler. I think for you, you didn't see the Great American Bash. He is a famous Japanese wrestler, and he actually shows up on the Bash because the other wrestler, I think it was like Nogami. Um, yeah, it was. I think they mentioned he's injured or something. He's a replacement, so you'll actually see him soon. And then I do know who Ludwig Borga is also. Uh, speaking That's of unfortunate. Guys, speaking <laughs> of guys that have Hasbro's, by the way. Yes, exactly. I was going to say that he's the other one that came to mind as far as like really he wasn't there long and he he locked into a figure. I just looked it up. It is uh, pretty pricey. So if you have one, I would uh, hang on to it. Yeah, I do. It's um, I don't have like mine are not in um, in, you know, in, not in the cards, but they're loose. It does. I don't think that matters because okay. um, hang on a second. I have a loose one in front of my face that is $340. Oh, okay. Is that eBay? Yeah. Interesting. Okay. I'll accept that. Yeah. So just so you know, I wouldn't, yeah. uh, wouldn't throw that one away. Um, yeah. So any other names, I guess that kind of covers most of them at this point. But, uh, so pretty, again, not to be redundant here, but pretty strong crop of wrestlers. And I feel like this is a good example of if WCW one knew how to book better and promote their stars as stars like this, this probably would have been, um, more historical, I think, because I don't think you ever really hear about this tournament, honestly. Um, in history. And then, uh, too, if this was like, oh, go ahead. No, no, go for it. Because I think I was just going to say, if this was like a current day lineup, um, I think you would hear a, a lot about it, especially with the current day fans and, you know, those that are more into whether it be indies or, you know, Japanese wrestling being more prominent, uh, obviously, AEW, um, et cetera. So uh, this would go over pretty darn huge nowadays. I I can't believe I'm saying this. Oh, f first of all, uh, one of the names that we just left off and the people that are left off here is yeah. uh, uh, Sting. Oh, clearly. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> the um, number one baby face. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I think and I cannot believe I'm giving uh, WCW credit for this, but I actually think the reason this wasn't promoted was strategic. Um my assumption here, and I, I do not know the answer to this. My assumption here is that most, if not all, of the actual WCW guys are going to lose. And the champion is going to end up being a Japanese wrestler, so they don't want to promote it and make their wrestlers look like losers. I think that's really logical. And if, if you know, they're thinking of it that way, which they probably should be, Um. Good, good for them. Kudos to them. Yeah, <laughs> that's um, the only thing that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um, Wade notes that the there's no current plan to carry these matches on 
and actually this reiterates your point or reinforces it at least you know no no a plan to carry the matches on us tv or pay-per-view and they would just probably show clips on the tv so there you go yeah, um yeah I, if if a wcw wrestler does end up winning this tournament then one obviously i was wrong and two it just shows how dumb they are to your previous point but yeah yeah if all of these guys are eliminated in like the first two rounds because what is it 16 16 guys so that makes four rounds yeah if none of them make it to like the semifinals then i get it my understanding too that this is a one-night tournament Oh yeah, that would make perfect sense then because if you have if you have your US champion and rude just to pick an example, get beat, you know, win the first match in 4 minutes and get beaten the second match in 4 minutes, that doesn't do anything for you. No. Totally. Um we'll probably see results in the, either the next issue or actually this is not until August. Uh, so it'll it'll be an upcoming issue. So hopefully the bracketing gets uh, spelled out for us too. Um, one note here as we move, you know, move on to WCW news, this is going to be something we talk about in more depth at the end of the show. But Wade says it appears nothing is going to be done to promote the bash except a couple of interviews by race commentary by Ross and sting and Eric Bischoff's magazine segments, which I'm sure many viewers tune out as if it's a commercial. And he says, heck, it is a commercial. Um, it's, which is so ironic because I feel like watching those segments live in the day i would have thought the same and just tuned out but going back it's just so cool to why i think that's like one of the reasons i like watching these older shows just seeing what the you know those um say call them hype segments for the pay-per-views were like i enjoy seeing those yeah i do too um they didn't do as many of the video packages back then so it's interesting to see how they handled it with individual wrestlers and talking yeah things like that Yep. Yep. Um, so that's really it. You know, he, he says, hopefully there's an elaborate video segment that will be added to the program beyond the WCW magazine segments. Um, but, and and then he says he might even forget about the pay-per-view, um, otherwise. So (laughs) again, we're, we're about to talk about that, um, in a minute or so here, but, uh, that seems to be a problem. That seems to be a problem. Um, the next clash is set for September 2nd in center stage, which is where the WCW Saturday night show is being uh, taped. Um, so that would be an interesting venue to see a clash and definitely a step. I think a step back, honestly, um, visually at least because um, the clash has really been in some pretty big arenas and in, in front of, excuse me, some pretty big, um, uh, you know, attendants and, and fans. Um, but this would be interesting to see how that shakes out. Uh, Wade also notes this actually would be Bill Watts' first full-scale show, which is interesting to think about since it's not until September. Uh, yeah. Why isn't The Bash his first full-scale show? I don't know. I'm not sure. I, I was on, uh, maybe because, in June. I, 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 here's an idea. Maybe because the NWA tag tournament wasn't necessarily his, uh, I'm okay. thinking. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. It was kind of starting right as he started, so. Yeah, that's fair. Um, interesting note, I think, and I know this for a fact, but, you know, most recently Impact has taped at center stage, which is kind of interesting to see that's still being used for wrestling. 
Um, we noted we noted this already, but the Steiners beat Vader and Bam Bam Bigelow for the IWGP Tag Tournament uh, Tag Titles, excuse me, in uh, Japan on June 26. Um, so that kind of answers our question um, from about a week ago, where we were wondering where that popped up. Um, and then this is kind of sad, interesting, and kind of ironic with the timing, but I'll, I'll say it first. Wade notes how Jim Ross mentioned the death of Buddy Rogers, who we talked about last week. He said, quote, between two Cactus Jack moves. So in other words, it, there wasn't really much um, devoted to mentioning the death of Rogers. And actually, th- there was nothing that Wade reported on any um anything on the WBF side really so we don't even know what they did or didn't do but the fact that this was kind of throw a, a throwaway line by JR was unfortunate here yeah and on the WBF side it's super sad considering he was their first champion but um speaking of guys that are totally forgotten about by them yeah definitely but um, the ironic thing is oh go ahead I was just gonna say, if it's not on, it's not on Superstars. So unless it's on prime time, I am gonna tell you they didn't mention it. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, because wasn't the prime time at this point like that round table? Yes, but they do have they do have matches on it. That's actually gonna be a note in um, Superstars next week. But okay. they do show some matches on prime time, which I was not aware of. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, the iron the irony here is that uh, the most recent. Jim Ross podcast talks about the Great American Bash, and they do touch upon the recent death of Buddy Rogers around that time. So he does go into more detail about that and has a lot of good things to say about him. So whatever this throwaway kind of acknowledgement in real time definitely doesn't sync up with, uh, you know, his true feelings. So, yeah, exactly. Well, this is an uh, uh, I think the first time we're skipping a torch talk. Uh, a very rare time. There's the torch talk here, really talking with someone that we we both agree we are really not sure who this is or his relevance in uh, the world of wrestling. But um, there is a new promotion, NAWA, that Wade talks to the promoter about. But I think we're just going to skip that this week. Uh, spoiler: NAWA does not work out. <laughs> yeah, well said. Well said. All right, so we've been talking about this throughout the, the really the entire um, show today, and it has to do with uh, Wade's topic for Below the Bottom Line. It's really a tongue-in-cheek article um, talking about his predictions for the upcoming Great American Bash. So the title for it is The Torch Psychic Reveals Bash Results, Predicts Watts Will Be Unpredictable Because He Hates to Be Predictable. So you can see how kind of how that sets up. I um he doesn't really go through the full card at all really. Uh, actually, I guess he kind of does because the tag title tournament is really what eats up most of the, the pay per view. So I'll, I stand corrected there. Um, I went into this Alex thinking this would be kind of a throwaway and um trying started trying to breeze through it to be it to be completely honest at first. But I thought there was some cool nuggets in here and and kind of feedback and I think really like the theme of this set the stage for a lot of what we talked about as far as just the lack of promotion um, that WCW gave this great American match pay-per-view that's happening in seven days and how they really focused on the Omni show of all things and all uh, of all events, which was not televised 
again, we talked about this, but um, they use their Saturday night show to hype it. It's like when when you have a super station and a national TV station on in on cable um, around this time, and you're hyping a show that only a certain range of people in the whole U.S. can take part in. Like, what what's the logic behind that? Uh-huh. I, what's really really funny is that when we we talked about this like a month ago when we were getting ready to do Beach Blast, right, and how they really didn't talk about it at all while they actually did a pretty solid job of promoting the NWA title tournament for <clears throat> the clash of the champions. Right. Yeah. Well, as soon as that beach blast was over, like even during the, the beach blast pay-per-view, they were hyping that they were going to announce the card for the great American bash on the upcoming Saturday night show, which they did uh, about about a week later, which was very cool. And you and I both said, wow, this is really a step in the right direction. Yes, we certainly did. Wade said that too. Mm -hmm. And here we are a month later, and that was all the promotion for this pay-per-view that we got. It's pretty insane. That really is amazing. Need an extra dose of positivity in your wrestling podcasts? Well, come join me, Alan Forel, over in the Pro Rest Paradise at Peter Torch VIP as we bask on the bright side of wrestling and focus on some of the great matches and shows from around the world, be it the US, Japan, Europe, or Mexico. There's always a place for wrestling's past in the Paradise too, and we've done fun historical shows such as the We Love Liger series, celebrating the glorious career of Jushin Thunder Liger and our I Was There When shows, where our guests will join me to talk about a classic bout that they were in attendance for. We love variety, and you can expect lots of it at the Pro Rest Paradise. Detailed PW Torch VIP subscription information and a list of all the VIP benefits is available at pwtorchvipinfo.com. And yes, all VIP podcasts are compatible with popular podcast apps on iPhone and Android devices, or you can stream them directly from our ad-free VIP mobile site. See you in the paradise. Um, do you think part of this has to do with the fact that, like, hey, this is a, a one-night, uh, not not a full one-night tournament, but the rest of the tournament matches are happening on this night? Uh, aside from the first round, like, how do you really promote the rest of the tournament? Because you can really only promote a few matches. So then you're left with promoting the the uh, excuse me the um, title match between Sting and Vader, which is a heck of a match, by the way, as on paper. So I'm trying to trying to give them a little bit of like leeway. Like, is it possible? It's like, hey, this is a kind of a block hard because we know it's a one night tournament and there's kind of it's kind of difficult to promote that. Is that am I grasping at straws here? Um, no, you're. I have a, a different reason, but to your point first, um, no, because, and we talked about this recently too, but the Dangerous Alliance and Wyndham and uh, Rhodes have been wrestling each other for months, so there should have been an easy end to promote that. Also, the fact that Wyndham and Austin have been engaged in a feud and they are on opposite sides of the tag match, that's pretty simple. You could also promote the recent dominance of 
uh, Gordy and Williams as a hook for your show. And um, also, by the way, your world champion is defending his title for the first time since winning it in February. That's a great point. Yeah, that really is against a monster heel. That hasn't gotten a ton of hype either, actually, um, since he initially I think the biggest hype he's gotten is really hurting Sting in real life. Um, yeah, he's not even is, really on TV. But yeah, right. I didn't think so either. Um, the other thing that weighed really the, the thread or the theme throughout this article is the fact that he keeps reminding us, us as readers, that it's actually happening this Sunday. Don't forget, it's this Sunday. It's this Sunday. So, again, just kidding home the point that uh, he's probably promoting it more in this article than WCW has done in the last, like you said, <laughs> Alex, about a month. <laughs> Um, yeah. The other thing I was going to say, and this is something that uh, Wade probably didn't know at this time, which is probably why it's not brought up, but it's come to light in, in recent years, especially with, with Eric Bischoff and how, um, I guess transparent is the word I'll use as far as Bischoff goes. I'm sure somebody listening to this is going to push back on me for that. But anyway, um, WCW actually did not receive the like the financial gains from their pay-per-view events. Um, Turner did same thing with WCW VHS tapes that that money went to Turner, not to WCW directly. I would make the assumption that a house show the financials of that did in fact go to WCW. So just from a financial situation, and we know how conscious Watts is of that Watts is a petty enough person (laughs) where he probably would have said, well, we're not getting that money anyway. So forget about promoting the pay-per-view. Let's promote our house show, which we do get money for. That's total speculation. Yeah, sure. Is it true? I mean, was it a hundred percent of the proceeds or revenue, I guess, revenue um for both VHS and the pay-per-views didn't go to them? To my knowledge, yes. Wow, geez. Yeah, that's that's interesting. It's an interesting thought. But you would make I think they made the money on the gate, you know what I mean? Or like the merchandise sold at the event, you know, all that kind of stuff. But I'm pretty sure the buys of the pay-per-view and the actual distribution of the pay-per-view and VHS tapes was not them. Interesting. Yeah, that's 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 an interesting thought. And if that's the case, uh, I guess Bill Watts is the reason. I'm thinking, why didn't they do this earlier? Like, you know, pull the stunt earlier, but I guess it's really because of Watts. Yeah, because Watts is probably just the first spite. person that just yeah. decided to do that, yeah. Yeah. yeah interesting thought process, yeah. Um, so some of the predictions that Wade gets into here, he does call out that Vader will beat Sting for the title, and then he predicts that Simmons will be his next challenger, even saying Simmons would challenge that night, not to not to face uh, Vader that night, but kind of step up to the plate that evening. Uh, he also predicts the tag tournament and kind of goes through that. We won't spoil anything there. Um, 
he ends up picking the Japan team over the Gordy Williams team in the finals with the help of the Steiners. He calls this a surprise finish so the NWA tag titles can be defended outside the U.S. with the WCW titles being the main focus. I actually really like that logic because, again, we're talking about, what are we talking about, three sets of tag titles now with these NWA titles, WCW titles, and now the IWGB titles. Um, so this would clear the, the clutter a little bit, but again, also to Wade's point, um, show a little bit of a shocking ending here, which, you know, I'm not really necessarily in favor of um the team he suggests win necessarily i just i think i'm more in favor of just kind of decluttering the tag title uh, situation yeah less belts the better yeah there's just for i don't know at, at least at least it's not like certain times in wwe where there was two tag titles and like five teams um, <laughs> yeah or even yeah. less yeah, at least yeah. they actually have a few teams here to choose from. But uh, even then, it doesn't change the fact that there's literally like four sets of belts going around at this point. Right. He follows up this pay-per-view a little bit more with some predictions, saying that Sting will lose a follow-up match at, in, um, at a August Omni show against Vader. Uh, then Vader will ultimately lose to Simmons in a non-title match. Uh, in September, which sets up Vader versus Simmons at uh, Halloween Havoc in a title match in October. So that's where he says Simmons will actually take the title from Vader, uh, then go on to face Rude at Starcade. So I'll pause there real quick. Any thoughts there? Uh, I, I kind of really like that scenario, too. It made sense, especially as a way to hype those Omni shows. If I have to agree to Vader losing, yes. Okay. Are you in favor of a potential Simmons title run at this stage in where we are in 92? Does it make sense in your view? Um, I would build up to it for longer. Maybe you do that at Starcade. I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm a big fan of dominant heel champion, and it's really, really hard to get me out of that mindset. It's yeah. just, I, it's funny because even when I was like a kid, like playing with figures, it was like I would have a dominant heel champion, build up, have the baby face win the title, and then I would be like, Oh, well, what do I do now? <laughs> right. Yeah. That's and a, then I would a have, lot of Booker's conundrums, right? Yeah. And then yeah. I would have the baby face lose to a different heel and then do it all over again and then do it again. Great. So it whether I'm ten or thirty one, <laughs> uh I have the same problem and it's just it's a great idea. I like it. Simmons is a good guy to build around, but I think they should should stick with Vader for the the time being, if in fact he's going to beat Sting. Well, yeah, well said. Um, he last he lastly predicts that in '93 the WCB pay per views will be narrowed down to four, and he names the four being Super Brawl, the Bash, Great American Bash, that is, um, Halloween Havoc, and Starcade. So it looks like he cuts out War Games and Beach Blast from that list. Yep, those would be the two. Yeah, th- those are the four that I would have picked as well. Um, War Games, see, I've never been, I mean, I I know WCW has 
really they put ha- the Halloween Havoc on a pedestal over the years. And I actually think Tony Schiavone on his podcast has mentioned that that was like their really their premier pay-per-view, which is clearly funny in retrospect. Um, I never, I don't know, a, a Halloween themed pay-per-view is just like not my style. So I probably maybe War Games would, would win out in that one. But otherwise, this is a good list. You didn't like the uh, <laughs> the themed stages? Oh, the theme stages is great. I didn't like them like dressing up, though, you know. And What's like, really- yeah, the 90, the 1991 um, cage match. I forget what they called it. The Thunderdome cage electrified. Mess. Oh yeah, that was bad. But um, just real quick, Wade brought up that they're going to have four pay per views in 1993. I don't want to spoil anything, but do you know how many pay per views they do end up having in 1993? Well, it's definitely more than four. I feel like they they go the opposite route and actually add a few. Yeah, you're right. They do. <laughs> well, ho hum. I guess uh, that plan didn't work out for them. I I have a list of nine in front of me. Are you kidding me? In 93? There's one of them that we can take out if you want to. Okay. Because it's called uh, WCW New Japan Super Show. Okay. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, if it's a meh, I guess it's on the fence. So if you want to take that one out, then there's eight. That's amazing. Yeah. For that time period. I mean, that's like. The doldrums of uh, the wrestling business. It's crazy. Well, what did we miss? Anything? Should we should we move on to a preview of next week, Alex? Yeah, we can. Um, spoiler alert: uh, Van Vader wins WCW title. <laughs> Is the headline? Um, Williams and Gordy win NWA Tag Team Title Tournament. So next week, we will be covering the Great American Bash pay-per-view, if everybody didn't pick up on that already. Outside of that, we have Hulk Hogan signs a deal with New Japan Pro Wrestling, which leads to speculation of WCW appearances. WCW regains possession of the NWA real-world title belt, which will be awarded to the NWA tournament winner. The Moondogs recapture the USWA tag team titles. And in the worst news we've gotten in a while, El Gigante negotiates with the WWF and could be in for a major push. Yikes. In 92, huh? Interesting. All right. Good preview. We'll see what comes of it. Uh, Yeah, looking forward to that. Well, you know what? I'm looking forward to us talking about the Great American Bash. I'm not sure we should be looking forward to viewing it all, but that's another story. We'll get to that next week. Um, Between now and then, though, how can people find you, Alex? I am, of course, the SmackDown Alt Perspective reporter every Friday on PW Torch. So I will be covering SmackDown on Friday night, right alongside Wade's report, so you can find me there. And as always, of course, I'm Patrick's co-host here on the 90s Passcast.
And I am Alex, co-host here on the 90s Passcast. I am also uh, on Twitter at Moynihan24. And most importantly, or or not to be um, left to the end here, I am the AEW Rampage reporter for the Torch every Friday evening. Uh, one last plug for both of us. You know, if you have anything to add to our discussions each week or, you know, want to call us out on anything we might have missed, uh, give us your opinion at torchpasscast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, until next week, we will sign off for the 90s Passcast. It's a new year, so why not treat yourself to a PW Torch VIP membership and get these shows with the ads and plugs removed and a ton of VIP exclusive audio shows such as the new Focus on AEW and Focus on WWE series that I record throughout the week. Dedicated to a focused look at WWE news and a focused look at AEW news, along with commentary, analysis, and Q&A with VIP member listeners. Plus our post-pay-per-view, VIP-exclusive roundtables, and so much more. Plus over 35 years of archives of podcasts, radio shows, newsletters, articles. Check it out, pwtorch.com slash govip. Tells you all about membership. So why not make 2022 the year that you enjoy all the benefits that come with a PW Torch VIP membership? A lot of you listen to the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows who haven't watched the TV show we're talking about. A good way to catch up on what happened on the TV show is with my VIP-exclusive Wade Keller hotlines that follow Raw, Dynamite, and SmackDown every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. In fact, as soon as I wrap up recording the post shows with live callers and my co-hosts and our on-site correspondents, I send that off to the producer, and then I record the Wade Keller hotline, running down Raw, Dynamite, and SmackDown start to finish. And it's not only a full rundown, a thorough rundown of what happened on the TV show, but also my analysis of the key segments and matches throughout the show, including opinions that I don't express on the post show. So as a VIP member, you can listen to that hotline first, which runs 20 to 40 minutes, and then jump into the post show with full knowledge of what happened on the TV show. That's just one benefit of being a VIP member. Another benefit is when you listen to the post show, the ads and plugs will be removed. So change up the way that you listen to our coverage of Raw, Dynamite, and SmackDown by starting with the VIP Wade Keller hotline and then flowing into the Wade Keller post shows throughout the week. Go VIP pwtorch.com slash go VIP. pwtorch.com slash go VIP. Rates start at $9.99 a month or get a full year for just $99. You can also get the Wade Keller Hotline through our Patreon tier. That's just $6.99 a month. Details on that are at patreon.com slash pwtorch VIP.